Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. The facts about worship. The facts about worship. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 7 is where I want to start my reading this morning. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, and Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining in the table with him. Isn't that like a good man to just sit back and relax while the women are working? And all the guys say, praise God. Praise God. See, it's biblical, ladies. I've been telling my wife that it's biblical. Amen. I'm now in trouble. I might not make it to the fall fest tonight. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him, speaking of Jesus. Then Mary, I want to focus on this, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard. It's called nard in the NIV, in the King James, the New King James. It's called spikenard or spikenard. It's a very, very, very expensive, it's a very expensive ointment that was um, the, uh, that was dedicated for special occasions, and even um, uh, uh, e, uh, they would even uh, uh, anoint people with this at, at death. So then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The house was filled with the fragrance of her worship. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected on the matter and said, Why hasn't this perfume been sold and the money given to the poor? After all, it's worth about a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared, speaking of Judas Iscariot, about the poor, because he was a thief, as we all know. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into The money bag. And then another point that I want to focus on this morning. Jesus said this. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. You may be seated this morning. I know I've looked out the last couple minutes and I see a couple people looking at me like, this is what you talked about Wednesday night. Well, the truth is I mentioned this in passing Wednesday night, but I haven't been able to get this one particular this one particular corner of the story of what I mentioned Wednesday night. I just couldn't get it off of my heart. So if it couldn't get off my heart, I figured that you were the perfect captive audience for me to share this with. So you might not need to hear it, but I sure need to say it this morning. I mean, the Lord is honored when His people express their love for Him. He is honored when we express our love for Him. But not only is God honor and praise, and not, and not only does a transaction of worship takes place, uh, but we honor ourselves. We do ourselves good when we take time out of our schedule, when we take time out of our preferences, when we take time out of whatever is going on in our life, whatever situation we are in, and we honor God. I want to be known as a man who worships God, a man who is never too busy, who is never too proud, who is never too poor, who is never too rich to 
uh, to stop and pause and give God a little bit of honor and a little bit of praise. And I think as a church family, if we can be a church that is intentional about our worship and is intentional about our honor towards God, I just think that I just think that Scripture is true that when praises go up, His glory comes down. Amen. I don't praise Him because I want His glory to come down. That's just an added benefit. I praise Him because He is a good, good Father. He is a righteous Father. He is a faithful King. And He's been better to me than I can be to myself. And you can say the same thing about God or Jesus Christ this morning. No sacrifice is too great. No sacrifice is too great to give to the cause of the kingdom of God. I mean, that's why we just ask you to give a sacrificial offering, not because it benefits us, because it does not benefit us, but because we choose to honor God by honoring those around us. There is no sacrifice of worship. There is no sacrificial offering. There is no sacrifice of our time of, of, or, or, or of our personal abilities that is too great for us to give to God. That's why I have chosen, and I'm leading my family, to give our best to God. We're going to give most of our time to God. We're going to give the best of our finances to God. I'm going to give the best of my energy and my intellect to God. I'm going to be committed to God no matter what happens, no matter where I go, and no matter where He leads me because there was no sacrifice too great for God. Everybody say, no sacrifice. No sacrifice is too great for this God of ours who we call Jesus Christ. There are four lessons to be learned here from this passage of Scripture, and I had you repeat them this morning while I was reading the text. I mean, uh, 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 there's four lessons that we can learn from this passage of Scripture about, about our worship. I mean, the first one that I want to talk about this morning is worship is not free. Worship is not free. It never has been and it never will be free. Worship will cost you something. You can come to church and you can clap your hands and you can lift your hands and that not cost you something. But you can also come to church and clap your hands and lift your and lift your hands and lift your voice and it cost you something in the spirit because it's not just something you are doing with your physical hands and with your vocal cords that God has blessed you with, but yet you are trying your best to get in tune with a heavenly realm. You are trying your best to draw a little bit closer to Jesus. And anytime we get close to Jesus, it costs us something. And Mary is a prime example of getting close to Jesus, costing us something. Secondly, I want to talk about this morning is worship changes the atmosphere. Everybody say it changes the atmosphere. Worship changes the atmosphere in which we are living. It's impossible to worship and not be changed. It's impossible for us to truly worship and the people around us not feel the aroma of worship. They might not be changed, but if they're not changed, it's because they choose to not be changed. For when we worship and when we step outside of ourselves, there is a supernatural transaction that takes place between us and the heavenlies. And when we get in touch with the heavenlies, we are always changed. We will never be the same. That's why it's important to come to church because that's a perfect opportunity to get in touch with God and that's a perfect opportunity for God to rearrange the affairs of our life and it's a perfect chance for Him to work on the crooked areas of our life and He can make it straight. Amen. Worship changes the atmosphere. Worship changes how we see things and how others see us. Worship changes the atmosphere. Thirdly, worship is 
is often criticized. Worship is often talked about. There will always be an element of any church or any society or any community who is going to criticize someone who is worship. Worship comes at the cost of criticism. But criticism of what we will dig into later is criticism always leads to betrayal. And we can look at Judas Iscariot and see that. That's why it's important that we not criticize what's going on in the body of Christ or around the church house because our criticism if we do not keep it in check will lead us down a road where we betray the things of God and the house of God and perhaps even God himself and then lastly God protects worshipers God protects those who worship him in spirit and in truth and in unstable times that we live today there is no better protection than what you and I need than the protection of Jesus Christ amen we live in the greatest country of the world that offers much protection and much security, but it doesn't offer near as much and near enough as what we need and what God can offer. God's reaction to our worship equals protection. When we worship, when we worship, God protects us. So this morning, I want to challenge you in the form of these two questions: Why don't you bring all you have to Jesus today? Why don't you bring everything you have? Why don't you quit just living life how you've always lived it? Why don't you quit serving God how you've always served him? And why don't you give God your everything today? Yes, I know many here today have done that, but just as many that have have not done that. And I want to challenge you, whether you be a saint or a a sinner or a member or a guest today, to give your life to Jesus Christ. Don't give lip service to Jesus Christ. Don't give tips to Jesus Christ. Don't give him a fraction of your life or a fraction of your time, but give God all of your life and watch what happens in your life today. Secondly, why don't you lay it all down at his feet? Why don't you lay your life down at his feet? All of your success, all of your failures, all of your victories and all of your defeats, lay it down at his feet as the ultimate expression of your love and of and as your worship. God is seeking a people who is fully dedicated to him with 100% of their life. And I want to be committed to Jesus with all of my life. And I know you do too. If you do, why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. John chapter 12, verse 3 says this. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Worship is not free. Worship isn't free. She broke a box of ointment and she poured it. She poured it at the feet of Jesus, on the feet of Jesus. And not only did she just pour it on the feet of Jesus, but she was a broken lady. She was a sinner lady. She was an impure lady. At the end of the story, God says, you, uh, 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 God saved the lady at the end of the story. If you go and read um, the story, you can read that part. And I believe it's the book of Matthew chapter 7. Amen. But God is attracted to brokenness. God is attracted to brokenness. Mary broke. She was a broken person, but the worship that she also brought was broken. She had to break the bottle of perfume. She And when she broke the bottle of perfume, all of it spilled out. Not half of it, not a fraction of it, but all of it spilled out. Have you ever dropped a bottle of cologne or perfume? I've done that before. It just makes me sick. That stuff 
isn't cheap. And, and the stuff that we buy, I don't know about you, the stuff that my, uh, that my family buys, uh, it's not the expensive cologne or perfume. Yeah, it, 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 it might cost a little bit of money, but we're not talking a year's salary like this uh, perfume, like this ointment costs. Uh, God is attracted to our brokenness. Is it any wonder that in our darkest times and in the most broken state that you and I could ever find ourselves, then when we are there, we find God to be closer than he has ever been before. There is something about a broken man and a broken woman that is attracted uh, to God. But likewise, there is something attractive to God about a broken man and a broken woman. And we don't like uh, to be broken and we don't like to go through the seasons of life where it feel like we're where it feels like we're being crushed by the circumstances in which we are walking through but if we would wait just long enough to realize that in my brokenness God can speak to me in my brokenness God is attracted to me that's what's so beautiful about the church is there's really no perfect people here there's no perfect people welcome we are all broken and God is all attracted to us today so no matter what you walked in this room with today, let me tell you that God is attracted to you. You can be a sinner. You can be a fornicator. You can be an adulterer. You can go down the list. You can be a pervert. You can be whatever you want to be. You can be a drug addict. You can be, you can just fill in the blank and God is still attracted to you in your broken state. He might not like the broken things that you do and the sinful things that you do, but he loves you just the same. And just as Christ loves us as sinners, I believe our church ought to love broken people. We ought to be a haven in a hospital where broken people are welcome. This is a place where the hurting and the broken can come and find love and refuge. This ointment was valued at 300 pence. 300 pence. That is about, that is about a year's wages for a worker at that time. One scholar said it was about $19,000, about $19,000 that this woman had worked for years and years and years to save up that side money, that little stash of cash to buy this. And then she didn't use it for herself, but she used it for the master. In modern terms, in modern terms, it would be between fifteen dollars and $20,000, as I've already mentioned. People were forced to save for many years, for many, many, many years to buy something like this because, uh, 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 because the price of the product and the level of income that they earned. But this lady was still was still a worshiper enough in her broken state, in her sinful state. Uh, she still loved God enough because she had just seen Jesus uh, raise her brother Lazarus from the dead. And she was so appreciative for what God had done that she said, it doesn't matter how long I have worked for this and how much I spent on this and, and how much sweat I had to sweat and how many tears I had to cry and how, and, 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 and how many times the knuckles of my hands were bloody because of the hard physical work that I did to earn this money to buy this, I'm going to give what I have to Jesus. And let me stop here and challenge you this morning to give what you have to Jesus. Give all that you have to Jesus. You can do more with your finances. You can do more with your time. You can do more with, uh, with your God-given talents um, if you give it to Jesus. You can do more with your 10, you can do more with your 90% than you could ever do with your 100% if you just give your abilities to 
to Jesus. If you are hungry for God and you dedicate yourself to him, you will be amazed at what God will do in your life. And I believe I'm speaking to people who can testify of that this morning. Mary withheld nothing from Jesus. She withheld nothing. She withheld not a single thing from Jesus. And that's the guy that I want to be. I don't want to live my life and at the end of my life have some left over. I don't want to have any energy left over. I don't want to have any money left over. I'm going to enjoy that money while I have it, bless God. I'm going to spend my kids' inheritance before they even get it, bless God. Hallelujah, amen. And I know many of you can, I, 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 I know many of you can understand my humor there, amen. But Mary withheld nothing from from Jesus. If it was hers, she gave it to, to Jesus. This morning, have we given God what we have worked so hard to attain, or have we settled on giving Him what we easily attained and can therefore give away and not feel any pain? Is it easy, for instance, let's take it, uh, let's make it real practical. Is it easier to drop a $10 bill to your children, or is it easier to give your children a $100 bill? No, you're going to give them a $10 bill and still ask for the change back. Why? Because that money has value in your life. That, uh, 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 that currency represents something in your life. And I don't want to give God anything that is easy, but I want to give God what I worked so hard to attain because I'm not living my life for myself because I was bought with a price. When his spirit came into my body, amen, whenever he washed my sins away in baptism and I received his spirit by the evidence of speaking in other tongues I no longer belong to myself therefore everything I have is not mine but it is God and the fact about worship is when we live our life with an open hand to God he will bless us with all that we need we might not have what we want we might not have what we dream about but he will make sure we have what we need and I'm thankful that we serve a God who is rich in mercy and rich and provision for us and that's why I call him Jehovah Jireh my provider in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verse 6 Paul said this for I am already being poured out like a drink offering I am already being poured out Paul was writing to Timothy he was writing to the son of the gospel he was writing to the churches that his sons in the gospel pastored and led and were planting at that time and he said you ought to do what I'm doing for I am living but I am being poured out I know that I'm nearing the end of my ministry and so what I'm doing to you is I'm pouring every bit of energy and wisdom that God has given me I'm giving it to you so that you can give to the church so that that church can give it to the churches that they plant and it has gone all the way to 2016 today. If we want the church to do good, we're going to have to pour out all that we have. And I'm not talking about money this morning. I know that when we talk about subjects like this, it's just easy to mention money because that's what we relate to. But I'm talking about our life. I'm talking about our energy. I'm talking about our heart and our mind. If we do not pour ourselves out, we are, we are not benefiting, but rather we are cursing the generations following us. Yes, 
Yes, they can still succeed, but they will have to fight through the mountain of debt that we have created in the spirit. We, we ought to do everything we can so that when we are dead and gone, the church still does good. We're still preaching the same thing. We're still singing the same message. We still got the same Sunday school program that might look differently and operate differently, but it's teaching the same message of Jesus Christ. But the only way that will happen is if we become selfless believers and pour out of ourselves and give to others. We live in a time of greed. We live in a time of envy. We live in this materialistic age. But let me tell you that we do not live the way that though we live in this world, this world is not our home. We're, we are passing through so I don't get caught up in the economy of this world that I am living in. Yes, I have to make transactions. Yes, I have to live. But I'm doing that to live. I'm not doing that to stay here. I'm just camping out here waiting for the day when the trumpet sounds and I get to go to heaven to be with him forever in the air. That is the goal. That's why I'm pouring myself out. That's why I'm trying to be a good example to others. That's why I preach the gospel like I preach the gospel because when it's all said and done, I want to be just a conduit that the Lord flows through. I don't want to be a river that flows into a lake that has no river on the other side. I don't want to be a pond that's stagnant and dead and has no life in it or no life flowing through it. But I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, recognizing that giving is the currency of the kingdom and worship is not free. So I'm going to pay the price so that I can be a worshiper. Everybody say, I'm a worshiper. We cannot expect to do in death what we were incapable of doing in life. Uh, we cannot expect to, to do on our deathbed what we could not do when we have all of our energy and all of our resources and all of our finances. Uh, I'm, I, I understand today that I'm pushing you a little bit and I'm making you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I want somebody to realize that if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, you have not gained one single thing in this earth. Uh, I do not I want to gain this world and lose my soul. My soul is more valuable. My family is more valuable. My church is more valuable. My community is more valuable. My friend group is more valuable for us to sit here and collect stuff and not focus on the kingdom of God. Worship is not free. It's not free. Have we placed everything we can on the altar for him? Ask yourself that. Have I done everything that I can do around the church? Have I done everything I can do for the kingdom of God? Is God getting all of my time? Is God getting my best energy? Is God getting my best finance? Have you given to him? Have you given to him and or have you held back from him? Amen. Worship changes the atmosphere. Everybody say worship changes things. Worship changes things. Verse number 3 of John chapter 12 goes on to say this, And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The house was owned by a Pharisee. I want to give first a little backstory before I dive into this point. The house was owned by a Pharisee. He was, his name was Simon. Um, scripture calls him Simon the leper. Many believe that this was the leper that Jesus healed in, a, in, in another passage of Scripture. Amen. And so, the, and so all of these people had gathered together at Simon the leper's house, who was a Pharisee. Amen. Lazarus was there, and, and we all know that Lazarus was just recently raised from the dead. Jesus' disciples were there. 
Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, were there. Simon the leper, who I just mentioned, obviously he was there. Then there were other dignitaries there. There were other Pharisees that were of honor. He was the guest of honor. Mary did not allow the circumstances or the people around her to hinder the worship that she... It didn't matter. It didn't matter that there may have been dignitaries in the room from the local synagogue. None of that mattered because Mary uh, Mary knew that she had to do this. Mary knew that she had to pour out of her worship and out of her life an ointment of worship, aroma of true worship, change our atmosphere regardless of where we are and who is with us. You can be in the mall and break out and worship. You can be in your car and break out and worship. You can be in your cubicle at work. You can be on your tractor or your truck, whatever you do as your means of income. You can be doing that and worship can break out in the atmosphere of your situation. The atmosphere of your location can change. Why? Not because you change but because you got in tune with the God in heaven who has all power and all wisdom and all ability and your situation changed because you invited the peace speaker in to your life. 2 Corinthians 2 and 15 says this, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. We are the pleasing aroma. In the New Testament, Mary broke open her alabaster box, her alabaster jar, and that worship that she was doing, she was washing Jesus' feet, she was drying her feet with her hair. The ointment that she had opened was the aroma. But today, your worship and my worship is the aroma that fills our community. It is your worship and my worship that will draw people to this house. For that is scripture. It's not just me saying that for if I be lifted up I will draw all men unto me so our job as a church is to worship Jesus it's to lift an aroma of worship up so that others can be drawn to the light so that others can be saved so that others can be delivered that's why it's important that we worship that's why worship should be noisy around the church that's why I believe in demonstrative worship that's why I get up here and scream and spit and holler and get red in the face and get all swollen up and puffed up and get uh, all that because I believe that worship should be demonstrative. We should get not only God's attention, but by getting God's attention, we will get the attention of others around us. And then we point people to Jesus. We point people to Calvary. We point people to his mercy and his grace because my worship is the pleasing aroma to Jesus Christ. My worship is the aroma. What do people smell when we worship? Are they smelling you? Are they smelling your preferences? Can't can you only worship if it's a song that you like? Can you only come to church if it's the preacher that you like? Can you only come to church if it's your time to serve and volunteer? Is that the only time that you can serve? What aroma is your worship putting off for others around you? Has our life and has our praise become the aroma of Christ? Do we have the mind of Christ? Are we living in the middle of Christ's will for us? Or are we, or are we living for ourselves and doing church how we want to 
do it and living life how we want to do it and not allowing the will of God to be done in our life. Worship changes the atmosphere. And I just believe that if we would worship a little bit today, your situation would change. I believe that if you would just let go of control of your life this morning, your situation that you are in would change. I don't know how it happens and I don't know why God chose worship to do what it does, but we can't change what it does and we can't change why God chose it. But what we can do is we can respond to the word of God and we can say, God, if it's your will that if it's your will that we worship, I'm going to stand on my feet today and I'm going to give you worship. I don't care what I'm facing. I don't care what I'm going through. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what the banking account looks like. I don't care if I just lost my job. I don't care if I just got a raise. I'm going to worship you. My kids could be going crazy. My toddlers can be acting stupid, but I'm going to worship you, Jesus. I, I, I might have a marriage on the rocks. I might be confused. I might not know which way to go, but this one thing I know is I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth. Church family, if you can get the heart of a worshiper, you would be amazed at the change in your life. You're waiting on a word from God, but God is waiting on a word from you. Why don't you open up your mouth and give God the fruit of your lips? Why don't you put your hands together and make a little noise and let God know that he is worthy, that he still sits on the throne, that it doesn't matter what my life looks like. He is good. He is faithful. I am grateful. And my worship is only the overflow of my heart. It's only it's only my heart overflowing with thanksgiving. God, I might not have what I need, but I have all I need. And you are all I need. When I look to the left and when I look to the right, I can still say that you are good. I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you are still with me. I can lose my mind. I can lose my spouse. I can lose my friend, but you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. My friends might not come when I call them, but you are as close as the mention of your name. I might not be able to see, but your word is a lamp into my feet and a light unto my path. That's why I worship you, Jesus. Can anybody stand to your feet this morning and give God a little bit of worship? Come on, everybody unify together and give God praise. Thank you for bringing you through what he has brought you through. That's it. There's freedom in our worship. Hallelujah. It's not free, but when we worship, the atmosphere changes. And I'm feeling the atmosphere change this morning. I'm feeling that hopeless situations are getting a little glimmer of hope. A dark situation is getting a little glimmer of light. Why? Because the fragrance and the aroma of worship is beautiful, and it changes the way I see and the way I smell. Worship is not free, but one thing worship does is it changes the atmosphere. Anything that does something for you is going to have a cost and I'm worth it's worth it to me to pay whatever cost you may be seated it's worth it to me to pay whatever cost I have to pay I can pay thousands and thousands of dollars for an automobile or for a house I can pay hundreds of dollars for nice clothes I can pay hundreds of dollars for fishing equipment because I love to fish I can do all of that but none of it is worth my worship none of it is worth stealing my joy 
I'll give it all away. I'll walk. I'll put cardboard in my shoes and walk down the road if I have to. I'll give everything. I'll sell everything. If I can't worship and have stuff, then the stuff is not worth it. Church family, some of you have worshipped the things in your life and not the God of your life. Change your, change your perspective this morning and recognize that what you have is only because there was a God rich in mercy up in heaven looking down, casting out his mercy and his grace in your life. You're robbing God when you don't worship God. Perhaps that's why Judas was known as a thief because Judas spoke up when Mary was uh, was cracking open her ointment box. He was trying to rob someone else of their worship. And sometimes we try to rob others of their worship, but too many times we rob ourselves of our own worship. We are not a stumbling block to our brother, we are a stumbling block to ourselves. I say this with all love and sincerity humility this morning. Get over yourself and worship God. Get over your abilities and worship God. Get over your finances and worship God. Because when we worship, the atmosphere of our life changes. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thirdly, worship is always criticized. It's always criticized. Judah said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. It was worth a year's wages. Judas was incapable of worship. He was incapable of worship. He was only capable of criticism. And we ought not to be incapable of worship. If I'm going to be incapable of something, I want to be incapable of criticism. I don't want to criticize what others are doing for God. I don't want to criticize what's happening around the house of God or in the body of Christ. I don't want to criticize because I don't understand and because I don't have the direct line of communication of what's happening at the church, but pastor does. I don't want to, I, 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 I want to lay all of that stuff aside, and I'm not going to be a critical spirit, and I'm not going to be a bitter spirit because that always, always, always leads to betrayal. I'm going to say, God, I don't understand what's happening. God, I don't understand why this is happening in pastor's life and he is being called away. I don't understand this. God, I I don't want to hear Trent preach. I want to hear pastor preach. Trust me, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you. Your criticism does not offend me. Your criticism makes me happy, thank God. Amen. But beyond all of that, I'm just going to say, God, I don't understand what exactly is happening in my life. I don't understand what exactly is happening in my church. But through it all, I'm a worshiper. Through it all, I'm not a cynic. I'm not pessimistic. I'm not a critical spirit, and I'm not bitterness bubbling up with hatred. I am a worshiper. I am not a Judas. I am a Mary. I am not a Pharisee. I am a Mary. I might be a sinner. I might be a loose woman. I might be a harlot. That's what she was, but I'm still a worshiper. I'm still going to worship. People can have their opinion of me, and that is okay, but God, your opinion of me is that I bow down at your feet, and I wash your feet with my hair, and what is valuable to me is not mine, but it is yours, God. Somebody give me praise if that's your heart this morning. Oh God, I'm a worshiper. I'm a praiser, God. I belong to you. I'm not my own, but I was bought with a price. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in this room this morning. I feel the Spirit so strong in this room. I wish somebody would listen to what the Lord is saying. And I wish you could let go of all the cares of your world and all the things that have you down and just worship the Lord. Just dance like David danced. People might look at you funny, but it's okay. I'm putting my hands in the hand of Almighty God, and I'm going to dance where He leads me. I'm going to walk where He leads me. My rhythm might not make sense to y'all, but it's because I'm marching to the beat of a different kingdom. I'm marching to the beat of a different drum. I'm not marching to what a culture tells me to do. I'm marching to where God is leading me, and God is leading me to the deep places of His kingdom. God is leading me beyond the shallow, beyond the shallow material things of this world, and He's leading me to deep relationship and deep communion with Him. And the only way that can happen is if I let go of some things that I just wade out in the water as the old song goes just a little bit deeper. The current gets stronger, but so does his mercy. The things that you understand get shorter and shorter. Your list of abilities gets smaller and smaller, but I would have I would rather have fewer abilities and rely on the goodness of God than rely on the goodness of man and have all the abilities in this world. I am not capable of living a good life on my own. I am not capable of leading my family to heaven on my own but with the help of God I can get a little bit closer to him I can get in the rivers of his mercy and in his grace and watch what happens but it all begins with a heart that is ready to worship Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, thank you, God, for what you've done in my life. Uh, somebody ought to raise your hands right now and give him thanks. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for the things that you did that I didn't understand at the time. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but the beautiful thing about the story is after that Mary's worship was criticized, uh, God stepped up and he had the final say in the, in, in the circumstance, in the situation. Uh, Mary was protected uh, by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and they did not even know that he was that at that time. Amen. She was protected by the Almighty God robed in flesh. In verse number seven, he said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. And I speak in the spirit realm today. Satan, leave these people alone. Leave these people alone. Spirit of Judas, spirit of a betrayer, leave the children of God alone and let them worship. Lord, I take the bondages off of these people this morning. I take, I take every chain of addiction off of these people. I take every chain of maybe insecurity or fear off of these people and I say leave them alone and let them worship. Why don't you, sir, make that prayer over your family, over your spouse, over your children. Jesus said three words, leave her alone, leave her alone. That could be the most powerful sentence you pray over your family, sir or ma'am. Satan, leave my children alone. They are not yours, but they belong to you. Satan, leave my marriage alone. They are not yours. I've chosen to worship you with my marriage. Leave it alone. Judas, leave me alone. Confusion, leave me alone. Criticism, leave me alone. I belong. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I, I, I do that sometimes. 
I start praying, and then I get sick of praying. And I say, okay, devil, me, me and you are going to have a talk right now. You might be driving me crazy, and I, might, and I might be losing hair at 29 years of age, and my waistline might be expanding because of the stress, and because of the stress eating I'm doing. Everybody say praise God on that one. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not the only stress eater here, but sometimes I have to get alone with God, and then I turn from God and say, God, thank you for your goodness, but devil, you listen to me. Did you hear that conversation that I just had with Jesus? I just committed myself all over again. I'm not backing up and I'm not quitting. I am not a loser and I have no reverse. I'm living for him and I don't care what you say or what you do or what you accuse me of. I'm going to worship. I'm going to be faithful. If it costs me everything, that's okay. It's worth it because the aroma that sets forth, because of the atmosphere that has changed, it's worth it. It's worth it. And then just the added benefit after the aroma is that I have the protection of God. I have the promise of his word, but it only happens if we will first step out and worship. Many of us want God's protection and provision, but we can't worship him with our finances, and we sure can't worship him with our lips. We ought to, there ought to be a revival of worship in this church. There ought not to be a song service that's dead. There ought not be a service that's dead. There needs to be a revival of worship in this church. Thank you, Jesus. Stand with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God protects his worshipers. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm protected. Say it with boldness. I'm protected this morning. Jesus spoke those profound words while rebuking a group of men for harassing Mary. He said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Leave her alone right now. Stop it. Go away. Stop. That's what I have to tell my kids sometimes. My two boys will gang up on my little girl, and I say, stop it. Leave her alone. Go somewhere else. And I just have this little Sunday school mentality that that's what God does to our enemies sometimes. That he just says, stop it. Leave them alone. That's my child. I am their daddy, and I'm watching over them. And I don't care what you throw with them. It's not going to work, so just stop it. Leave them alone. Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, they appear in the gospel on three separate occasions. Mary appears in the gospel three times. The first time, and they're all significant, I might add. First time we see her, she's sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his teaching. The second time, we see her falling at Jesus' feet, weeping over the, over the death of her brother Lazarus. And the third time, the last and final time that we see Mary in Scripture, she is anointing the feet with expensive perfume. Do you see something there, a similarity? Every time you see Mary, you see Jesus. Every time you see Mary, you don't see her face, but you see her bent over worshiping God. You see her with a posture of, 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 a posture of worship, a, a posture of saying, God, I can't do this on my own. In death, I need you, Jesus. We ought to run to Jesus when those around us die. In, the, in, in, in catastrophes that we're seeing today that are connected to our church, God, we run to you. I run to you. Even when nothing's going on, the first time we see Mary, she just runs to Jesus and sits at his feet and hears his teaching. It's because she sat at his feet in the teaching that she knew that she ought to run to him while her brother was dead. We can never run to Jesus when everything is going wrong if we can't sit at his feet while he's teaching us the lessons of life. 
And then thirdly, we see her at Jesus' feet in worship because of what he taught her and what he did for her. And that's why I worship him this morning, church family. Because I can read his word and I can see his teaching and I can understand his teaching that in Genesis he was Jehovah Jireh. He spoke the world into creation. He spoke everything out of darkness. He provided a ram in the bushes for Abraham when Abraham was being obedient to the word of God. He provided there and he'll provide for me today. I can go to the book of Job and watch as Job loses everything he has. Loses his friends, loses his family, loses his fortune. But he sits there and he might be in the dumps and he might be sitting in ashes and he might be in a bad place. But then all of a sudden he recognizes, God, you are still good to me and you have protected me through all of this. And so when I'm in the middle of my dumps, when I'm in the middle of my pity party, when I'm in the middle of losing everything that I have, God forbid if that ever happens... I can still stand and say, God, you are still there for me and you still protected me. And then I can go to the New Testament and I can see that Jesus Christ was God robed in flesh. No longer do I have to pay my sins forward, but the blood of the Lamb washes my sins away. Not only am am I now living under the law, I'm living under grace and I'm living under his mercy and I'm living under his blood that was shed for me. And not only am I living under his blood, I'm living in his blood because I, I was buried in the blood. I was buried in the name of Jesus and so no matter what comes my way I know that God is still good for me and I'm still going to worship him amen these altars are open this morning as I close I just believe that somebody needs to worship this morning maybe somebody needs special prayer this morning we're asking I'm asking you to come down church family why don't we just all come down this morning and just have a season of worship as I close Jesus' reaction was a beautiful and a powerful thing that we saw. Jesus stepped in, he intervened, and he protected. And today I want to speak that over your life. Jesus can step into your life when you don't expect him. And he can intervene in your situation that you can't fix by yourself. And not only can he intervene, but he can protect you. And then he shaded Mary and he supported her. He said, he said, I don't understand. She, she was saying, I don't understand what's going on. And he said, it's okay. They can criticize you and the people in the house can talk about you, but I protect you. He fended off her mockers or the haters, if you will, and he championed her value. He said, Mary, society might say this about you. You might be a harlot, you might be a prostitute, or you might be a saint. I don't care what you are, but I see value in you. And if you're under the sound of my voice today, God sees value in you. You are not forsaken. You are not worthless. You are not forgotten, but you are valuable to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I don't care what it is that you faced. I don't care what it is that you've been labeled and what you've been called in this life. You have value to Jesus today.